Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the industry about the games that they love to play. Today, my guest is John Sawatsky. John is a game designer who has done some amazing things with Cobalt Press. He's worked on their blog, he worked on the Tome of Beasts, he's got a couple of Lairs and the Book of Lairs, and he's also got some other great, exciting projects we are going to talk about in our interview. You are going to love him. He gives great, great podcast. Before we get to the interview, I would like to remind you to use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the banners in the show notes for this episode or any other episode, and then shop as you normally would. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where out of print is available again. They're a brick-and-mortar game store that has D&D and other tabletop RPGs, and they specialize in providing out-of-print products any edition you want. They will also buy your gaming products you aren't using anymore. Check them out at noblenight.com. Let's hear a quick word from them, and then it's on to the interview. Support for The Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers. Use a Noble Knight. To sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. All right, everybody, I am here with the one and only John Sawatsky. John, welcome to Gamer to Gamer. It's a pleasure to have you today, man. Oh, I am so stoked to be here, James. Thank you very much. I don't know if you can hear that. I've already got a huge grin on my face right off the top of the show, man. I'm really stoked to be here. That's awesome. So do I, because I'm really, really excited to you. Uh, you've worked on some great stuff, and you have some really cool upcoming projects, too, that we're going to talk about. Done a lot of great work with Cobalt Press. But first, let's hmm. go all the way back. When did you first lay hands on a tabletop role-playing game? I would have been probably nine, so that would have been 1983. I think Freddy Krueger was probably just tearing things up, I think, on the screen at <laughs> nice, the point where nice. I was... Yeah, so I, I got my hands on the original Red Box, that basic D&D box when I was about nine years old. My dad actually bought it for me. And uh, we played it one night with a friend and his dad. And I don't know, everyone around the table, you know, it was kind of the thing. It was D&D at that point was sort of like kind of a sidebar kind of hobby. Do you know what I mean? It hadn't really hit any kind of big mainstream stride at that point. But I was completely enamored with it. And I think my first character was a dwarven fighter, I think. And that character and that attachment to that character has kind of like seen me through, geez, I'm 43 now, man. So, you know, do the math. That's a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But I, and you never forget your first D&D character, I feel like, you know, like I still love playing halfling thieves. Uh, right, because that's the first thing I ever played. So right, absolutely. I think what was so cool about that Redbox set too was that like the art was so 
evocative, you know, and, you, the, and the, you'd pop that cardboard top off and it came with like, I think there were two manuals and then their character sheets or there was a map or something in there. And, and it sort of laid out that, that whole division between the dungeon master and the player and, and that there was like this kind of this notion that there was a, a storyteller who was going to be responsible for for running the fun for the evening. I was just, it was so fantastic. And in my, you know, for my, my nine-year-old, I was so ready for it, you know, because I was never into the stuff that uh, like a lot of my friends were into. You know, I was never, I never got into sports. I never really got into it. But man, this thing just got its literal claws into me, you know. That's awesome. That's and it feels so um, Stranger Things, you know, same around right. the same time, right, oh, and all that right. kind of stuff. So for sure, you know, my my wife and I are watching that right now, and I'm just I'm watching that, and like those kids, man, those were my friends. You know, I just recognized those characters, and oh yeah, just like the sort of awkwardness of it, but then just that sincerity too. You know, I don't know. I think maybe that's that was why I liked. Dungeons and Dragons so much when I was a kid was because it, it gave me a chance to be really just sincerely me, you know, and you can see that for sure in Stranger Things uh, that they've, they've captured that really well, you know those little guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally and I think there's some real heart there it's clear that the people who made that have played D&D as well themselves you know which is which is awesome and so at what point do you then go on to live I assume this nine-year-old's dream and uh, and get paid <laughs> to make some gaming products you know how, how does that come about right well I mean, yeah, it's a long road from playing the red box when I was nine, I guess. Uh, I went in and out with tabletop role-playing over the years. I, I got pretty heavily into it again in high school after a little break and stuff and played a lot of um, Palladium games for a while. I was really into Rifts and I don't know if you know any of those old books, but I was really into Rifts and Robotech and all of that stuff oh, too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, that great. was all kind of foundation material. You know, I remember being up at my, my parents' cabin for like weeks on end just with those, you know, those Palladium you know, manuals, just going through them, making characters for weeks and weeks. So there's some pretty foundation stuff there too. And then I got super busy and kind of set the hobby aside for a little while and uh, went to school and, uh, you know, did all of those sort of adult things and returned to gaming, I would say, pretty hardcore when I was maybe 30 and managed to find a gaming group that has been consistent for, geez, man, it's probably close to a decade. And over that period of time, I sort of had a lot of different jobs, but my career has taken a turn into to writing. So I do write professionally as a technical writer and currently I'm working for a big agricultural manufacturing company. The, the, the stuff I write is so far from fun, imaginative tabletop RPG. That's my, you know, that's my nine to five every day. <laughs> I sit there and I write about bucket elevators <laughs> for most of my day, you know, doing drawings of uh, conveyance systems and uh, how to handle grain. So I needed a, an outlet. You know, I was doing all of this technical writing 
And I thought, if I let my writing practice become just technical writing, I'm going to like wither away and die. I'm an old theater person. So I, my first education was in the theater. And I had aspirations to be an actor. And, but I've always really loved an audience, James, <laughs> is my problem. So, so I started looking around for an audience. I wanted to do some RPG writing, but I wanted an audience. I wanted some, I wanted some sort of immediate feedback. And I stumbled across the, uh, the Kobold Press blog, which of course had been previously the, um, the Kobold Quarterly, which, you know, I mean, I had, had copies of that and had read that and uh, stumbled across their blog. And I think it was like, I was, I was working at a mine writing um, procedures for running a potash mine at the time. And I was on my lunch break and I was like, that's it. I can't handle this. <laughs> I have to <laughs> have to get some sort of creative thing out of me or I'm going to explode. Just like I actually kind of didn't really explode the mine, but part of my job was writing a procedure to start the thing up and I had to go into a simulator a bunch and we we totally blew up that mine in the simulator quite a bit. Anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> but uh, at that lunch break, I just found the Cobol Press blog and thought, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a pitch to the then editor Miranda Horner to write a, a series of short articles that were designed for DMs to use uh, in a kind of emergency situation. That was my imagining of the column anyway, or of the, the series of articles. And I didn't really have a specific goal in mind with them or a specific genre in mind. I, I just kind of wanted to start writing the material and see what happened. And so I wrote a whole bunch of articles for the Cobol Press blog, starting with basically just you know storylines. Uh, if your if your PCs kind of just walk right by that adventure you planned uh, for the last <laughs> week, and you're like sort of left wondering, oh, uh, all right, what am I going to do tonight? You know, I wanted to provide some some relief for the DM in that case, and I kind of then I got into sort of writing. Uh, strange magic items. For a little while, when I lived in Montreal, I used to have this competition with a friend. We would try to make up the least effective but not evil superheroes. Um, so what would be like a superpower that would be, oh, it was mildly useful. That was the category. It was like a mildly useful <laughs> superpower. And the mildly useful superpower was, would be stuff like, you know, you have the power to control six sparrows. <laughs> but that's right. That's all like six of them, not seven, six. <laughs> so we started writing some items that were kind of like around that. We were like, yeah, they're, they're magic items and they, they have an ability. But wow, that power is uh, suspicious. You know, that's suspect. <laughs> I don't know that it's actually really going to help things. But they had a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and they're just, fun for right. more creative uh, players, right? So yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I was not, uh, I was not deigning to write really mechanics-heavy stuff at that point. Certainly now, now I'm, I'm not so intimidated by the rules. But at that point, I was a little bit like, oh, let's just have some fun here. And then at one point, I wrote a thousand words or seven hundred words that was like a kind of adventure in a shot glass kind of thing. And I, I tried to cram in all the elements that you would need for a night of adventuring into like 800 words or a thousand words, which is incredibly hard. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I thought it was, I thought that was the, the easy thing to do. But of course, brevity, that's where all the talent is required, you know, to be oh, brief. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Brevity, yeah. the soul of wit, right? Right. So exactly. says Shakespeare. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, you know, so I naively thought, well, this will be easy. It'll be easy. It'll be a good way to, for me to get you know, sort of introduced to writing adventures. Little did I know, you know, I was choosing one of the hardest things to do. But uh, so I went ahead and and I thought, oh, this is this is fun. This is what I want to do. This is what I want the articles to sort of coalesce into. And then um, I think what happened after that was I, I kind of pitched a new series of articles to Miranda. Um, at that time, I don't – like the SRD wasn't out for, for fifth edition for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it was kind of like around the corner. And I think Cobalt Press was sort of making moves at that point, getting ready to support – uh, some fifth edition work, and so I think I pitched an I don't know a more focused article that was really narrowed down on delivering that adventure content in an article five to a thousand five hundred to a thousand words. That so, was um, that was how that started, <laughs> and it has uh, it's grown from there, right? Like you're, you're working on all kinds of stuff, and you've worked on a lot of stuff with Cobalt Press, who is a, a huge, huge uh, third party publisher. Um, so I don't know when Wolfgang Bauer sleeps, and from the sound of it, I don't know when you sleep really either. You've been doing a, a ton with them on their blog, and you are getting ready to put out some other stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit later but uh how have things snowballed from there for you well i think you know what happened was i think i just started pitching uh wolfgang which is pretty audacious because i mean i had never had a writing credit ever so it was a little bit like you know starting pretty close to the top you know what i mean like it was like a little bit audacious of me but i i almost kind of didn't know better i was like oh well wolfgang's a great guy i like his i like all his guides i liked that quibble quarterly a lot he seems like uh so i i started pitching stuff to him and of course being roundly rejected which was (laughs) great being rejected by cats like wolfgang bauer man that's pretty good right i mean if you're getting rejected that's uh that's not bad (laughs) and then i think finally he he agreed to the series of blog articles using um yeah using the fifth edition stuff that that was available at the time and then i kind of just kept pitching i don't know if maybe i just like i caught him on a bad con save you know (laughs) i'm not sure but he kind of just he eventually was like all right all right let's let's do this and then he invited me to do uh, a couple of layers for the book of layers which they've just sort of recently released great um, book by the way and yeah really pretty great loved right your layers really loved it <laughs> thanks man yeah that was a mad process that was my first experience writing um professional material and one of the best oh man one of the best things that happened was i sent those manuscripts in and they got sent back to me uh, with just hacks and comments and like red as much red ink as you could sort of fit on you know 2000 words um and it was fantastic i learned so much from that feedback from wolfgang right and that's one of the things i really respect about wolfgang actually is that he kind of fosters 
new writers, you know, and he gave me a lot of help. You know, he's gone ahead. Uh, he's gone much further ahead and can look back and give some pretty great advice. And if you were going to, you know, Wolfgang Bauer is just, he's so great about giving people their first shot, but it sounds like one of the things you really have is a good amount of fearlessness in the sense that it seems like you, and maybe it's because of wanting to be an actor, uh, <laughs> that you, you're not afraid of rejection, you know, because that's certainly something actors deal with on a daily basis. Something like professional actors, 30 to 50 auditions say no before you get that one that says, yeah, come in for two days and we'll give you $300 for your time or whatever it is. Um, and you, you speak like you speak like someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, I do, I do. I worked uh, in casting at a theater for a long mm. time. So I, I know what that's like. And I worked as a freelance theater director for a while which is difficult uh so but but i think that's really important i think it's really important for people to want to put their stuff out there and to want to show their stuff to other people uh you know you said that was one of the things you craved an audience because you get that feedback and if you can drown out the people who are yelling that they don't like a thing because they just need something to yell about you can really get some constructive criticism do you feel like the mm. fact that you're willing to put yourself out there and the fact that in your brain you think things Things like, well, what's the worst that could happen? They say no, you know, I'll, I'll just come back again with more stuff. I'll keep pitching until they say yes in a respectful and intelligent way, I think is really the way to do it. I don't know how else you, you get your stuff out there. You have to not be afraid of rejection, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think you have to be a little bit mad. And I don't mean angry. I mean a little mad, like a little crazy to pursue a creative endeavor that involves an audience. I think that you need to have a little bit of madness. And as a part of that madness, I think there is a certain fearlessness or, or just an acceptance that for every hundred words you write, one of them is going to matter, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you got to just kind of keep going and know when to back off, obviously, but you know, you just got to keep going. Yeah, I think that's a really great point, James. I think that that's true. And I don't know, I don't know what you think of this, but I actually believe that if you've ever put a meal together for yourself using ingredients that didn't just all come out of the same box, mm -hmm. I think that you probably have the capacity and I think you probably have an adventure in you. <laughs> like, I think that you have the imagination to do it and you just have to dig down there and bring it up and not be afraid to show it. And you're right. You can't let the negative voices stop you. You just kind of keep going anyway. And yeah, maybe some stuff that you make sucks. So what? You know, so, <laughs> so what? So everybody makes terrible stuff at some point, right? It's, it's, that's the way it's supposed to go. It's all right. Absolutely, yeah. And if you can learn from that, then it was worth making the terrible thing, too, because now you'll know how to make it better the next time you attempt something like that. So. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I keep all my terrible things and sometimes go back and then 
pull the best parts of them and you know bring them forward and it's still you know it was still useful but yeah you got to have i don't know people say it's a thick skin but that makes it sound like you're kind of like a mean person or like you don't have feelings or something and i'm not sure that that's the case i think it's a madness i mean look at you look at you i mean you've got look at all of the creative output that you've got going on and i i can't look at your uh, your blog and your podcasts and like your short film, like I can't look at any of that stuff and not say that guy is is my kind of nuts. Like he's a little <laughs> bit nuts. Uh, and you got to have that, I think, to want an audience, right? I mean, I think it's crazy to give stuff, you know, over to an audience. That's just a, you have to be crazy for sure. You do, you do. And my theory is, if I make enough things, there's going to be something that hits. There's going to be something that you know people like. And as long as I'm enjoying making it and I'm enjoying the process then why not keep making stuff because eventually somebody's going to say hey that's pretty cool and I will be glad to have made that thing for them uh, and I'll be happy while I was doing it that's always a good thing it sounds like you're of the same mind which is great it's great to have you here so tell me a little bit about the games you're playing right now personally are you playing 5e yeah, no, definitely. That's my that's my primary uh, game focus right now. Although I, I have to admit, I have been uh, I've been <laughs> I've been I've been spending maybe a little bit too much time in Stardew Valley the last little oh, while, and I, I, I really need you. to <laughs> yeah I need to get out of that. I need to get away from that game because that just like feeds all of my compulsion. Yeah, I'm 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 playing uh, Fifth Edition. I'm I've been a part of a pretty weird campaign for. Oh, we've been running this thing for about a year and a half, two years. We're like we're all we're all these kind of old fogies, right? I know that there's all these fantastic ways of playing online with your friends or with strangers on uh, virtual tabletops, and I know that the software has come super far. In fact, the Book of Layers and the Tome of Beasts are all supported in that format. But my, my gaming group, we're like a bunch of old fogies, and we live all over the world in different time zones. And actually getting together mm-hmm. and, you know, at the same time and playing is a real obstacle. So we actually, I'm actually involved in a play-by-post game that we run in a Google uh, do Google Docs sheet, and, <laughs> right? Like how, like how kind of low tech can you get? So it's obviously, you know, I mean, it takes us a while to get through a combat. It might be a couple of days to play the four or five rounds of the combat. And I've been a player in that campaign, and I've also been. I'm now running it as the DM, and I am so delighted that uh, I am the DM at the point when this Tome of Beasts gets released. <laughs> I am just, just, I just sort of like open it and on any given page, I'm like, nobody knows what's coming at them. <laughs> it's just it's perfect. That's awesome. That's so cool that you're doing that. And I think one of the things that's so great is that you can play D&D in a Google Doc with your friends. Like, yeah, there's, right? there is all this high-tech stuff, and there are, you know, great advancements, but at the source of the game is just communication. And if you have a way to communicate, you right. can play D&D, right? You know, and, uh, man, that's right. And, like, I, I'm not sure about 
the possibility of playing fourth edition in a play by post uh, <laughs> manner. I suspect that that would not work out quite quite as well. <laughs> but fifth edition really lends itself to narrative based play. You dig into those three pillars. You introduce the rules when you need to and the mechanics when you need to, and you just run that thing. And we've made a really good go of it. I'm impressed. At the uh, at the rule set, I'm, I've I've been really impressed. It's it's so adaptable, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's great that uh, that you guys are are playing that way, and I think it's everything you've said about fifth edition is certainly true. I have found it as well. I tried to play fourth edition play by post once, and uh, it was unsuccessful. Uh, you need to keep putting images of maps up on the screen, you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Well, it's, I mean, it's very tactical. I mean, I played fourth edition using RPG tools online for a little while and was the DM of a campaign on fourth edition. And that worked pretty good. That was when we were able to still get together, uh, you know, at the same time or whatever. But I'm not sure that you could, I'm not sure you could make fourth edition, you know, work in a Google Docs sheet. I should, <laughs> I don't know if I should be admitting that I'm playing in a Google Docs sheet. I, one of the things I'd like to do is pull all the narrative out of there and run it and make it a, a sort of linear story so that you, I could, you know, read it. And how, the way we do it is, you know, any given area is its own sheet within the Google. And then you go and you like sort of explore there and you have combat and you have interaction, etc. And then you go to a new location and it's a new sheet. So you sort of divide, you were sort of dividing up the narrative in a really weird way, but it, it works really well. It's been working great. Lots of fun. Just a homebrew campaign. Yeah, it sounds like chapters in a book. Um, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, yeah precisely. Yeah, which is cool. And so speaking of books, let's talk about what you have been working on. Because you've been working on quite a bit with Cobalt recently. So let's let's talk about what you're designing. Uh, let's, let's let the people know. Um, what can you talk about right now? Uh, and we'll, we'll go down the list. So what would you like to start with? Sure. Well, I mean, obviously, first of all, that Tome of Beasts book, I, I managed somehow to squeak in a writing credit into that book. And all I did was I redesigned uh, one monster, which was the, uh, which was the rhyme worm. And uh, oh, that's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of preview play. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. They yeah. put it up on the blog and stuff. Um, it was a great monster to start. It was originally a fourth edition monster and it was, it was an inspired monster to start it's like three different stat blocks for the different life cycles of the worm like somebody took their biology classes pretty seriously there and uh so that was a lot of fun and i'm really excited to have been a part of that mass a tiny little specky part of that massive project uh that they've that they've just released and then of course there's the book of layers that also got released and i i have two layers in there one of which is the, uh, the necromancer's uh, cistern. I'm not going to spoil anything there, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's some epic qualities to that uh, to that layer. Uh, there's a there, one of the enemies I got to use in there was uh, oh man, it uh, gave me nightmares when I was writing that. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I I did a kind of witch's house called the uh, House of Reason Whispers, which is uh, which was a lot of fun to make as well. And it is so amazing and gratifying to to see my stuff in there um, with the art. Like, oh, God, Kobold Press and their art is just nuts. 
<laughs> yeah, um, they are. They're they're crazy, and uh, and yeah, it is really cool. Did you? How much with your layers and with your creatures? Were you doing any sort of sketching of maps or things like that, or was that all coming from the mind yeah. of a cartographer? Well, the way that worked was I had to submit design maps for that. So on a grid, I, I did mine on a grid, sort of regular graph paper grid. And yeah, you had to you had to keep it to one map. So one, you know, dimension, I can't remember what it was, twenty four by thirty six, and you had to make X number of sort of encounters happen in this little bit of oh boy, that was talk about I tell you, my experience writing the columns, those adventure columns, uh, short form adventure, that helped me a lot in developing those layers because um Wolfgang had some pretty high expectations <laughs> and stuff the amount of content that he wanted to sort of stuff into those, you know, delicious pastries was uh, was pretty uh, was pretty intense. Yeah, and they're so compact too. You know, they yeah. they use so few words to say so much. It's kind of like a master class in writing. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, they were a treat to write and and reading all of them in there. Talk about madness. Yeah. Anyway, lots of lots of great great work in there. Um, so the the book of layers. I think that was released just last week. Although um, maybe I'm 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 dating our interview here by saying that. Anyway, it was released recently, and I'm super excited to be have been a part of that. Nice. I also have. So what what happened was the articles on the blog. I conscripted one of my my players and my previous my DM and one of my oldest friends, Mishan Cantrill. I conscripted him to do the maps for the articles that I was writing, the uh, the fifth edition articles that I was writing for the blog. I conscripted him to do maps for them, and so we worked together sort of syncing up his visualization of the scenario and then I would sort of provide feedback to him and that was a really cool process when we were doing the blogs and then eventually Wolfgang decided that he wanted to publish a collection of the uh, the prepared articles and the prepared articles I mean I, I've always saw them as a sort of emergency fifth edition material like a break glass play games kind of situation so there would be a map ready to go there would be a story rewards encounters everything ready to go and um, and so Wolfgang collected them all and put them into a book and then commissioned uh, three or four more I can't remember how many exactly that hadn't appeared on the blog just for that book and then he offered it which was terrifying to me, offered it as a reward for the wildly successful Tome of Beasts uh, Kickstarter. <laughs> I, think I, was, I think I was like the $190,000 mark, and I was like, man, that's a, you got to pay a lot of money to get to see me. <laughs> uh, and then he offered it as a, you know, as, a, as a reward. So I think at a certain backing level, I think people get a copy of that sent to them. So... Talk about immediate audience, man. You know, hundreds of people are going to be perusing that thing and making, <laughs> keeping me up at night. You know, wondering, oh my goodness, what are they thinking? So the, the prepared book uh, is 12 short scenarios. Each of them are crammed full of story. They've got tactics. And I, I try to 
pack in as much sort of whimsy, madness, and flavor as I can into those. Uh, and then again, they've got the, those sort of rad maps from Michon and his map making for that series on the blog, it, it kind of ranged. Like he was playing, we were just playing and playing and, and he, he made stuff that was like a sort of annotated craziness to a more sort of traditional VR style uh, realism. They kind of ran the gambit there. So the maps for me are, they really bring the project together. And so I, I owe him so much for putting some, um, some images together for those scenarios. Yeah, and you know the scenarios, the twelve scenarios are easy to pick up and play. They're they're divided into a a, a good range of uh, challenge challenge ratings. So you've got everything from one. I think I think I designed something all the way up to fourteen. Yeah, so it's got a big range of stuff. Big big range of challenge ratings. That'll be released on out pretty quick, I think, and I'm pretty excited for the uh, pretty pretty excited for the release of the prepared scenarios. Nice. That's going to be really cool. I am. Uh, I'm super looking forward to that. I backed the Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. And I almost forgot about all of the various stretch goals that were in there. So that's awesome. That that's a. I think that's going to be a delightful surprise for everybody who backed it to be like, oh yeah, that's right. I, I got this thing too. I um, think so. I think so. I mean, you know, that Kickstarter was so successful that at the end, Wolfgang, I think, was just like, what? All right, kitchen sink. We're giving them everything. We're giving them ten more layers we're giving them a book we're gonna give them so it was pretty excited to be pretty exciting to be there <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh your your work with cobalt obviously we know a lot about what you're doing uh why don't we talk about cobalt press a little bit what's it like to work with them what's it like to work with wolfgang you know i you saying he wants to throw the kitchen sink that's not the first time i've heard that from somebody that he really loves to get as much out of a product as he can and put as many things into it as he can uh, it's almost like working for a, a big kid in the sense that he gets really excited about these ideas and and wants to keep putting more and more in them because he wants it to be a book he would use you know yeah oh no absolutely you know it was so exciting to me when after the prepared articles had gone through and Wolfgang contacted me to to write an adventure for them. Uh, he wanted a temple delve for uh, for I think about the fifth level range for PCs around fifth level, and he wanted me to uh, to to pitch him some stuff. In that process of uh, of pitching him, I I think what sold him on one of the pitches was the title, which was the, uh, the sanctuary of belches. And <laughs> he's mentioned the sanctuary of belches before he is a big fan. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, I think one of the crowning achievements of my fledgling, uh, game design career so far was that I, I made Wolfgang say gross in an email. And I think that for me, <laughs> like, I think that's kind of like, that's sort of like getting your yellow belt in game design. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, there you go. There's a new belt for you. You made Wolfgang Bauer say gross in an email. Uh, but then I was like, all right, now I'm going to make it even grosser. So the Sanctuary of Belches is, uh, is coming out too. And it's a, it's a creepy little gross adventure. It starts with a, a horn the sound of a horn sort of calling over the ice. And I, I, in my mind, was going back to 
to the cherry orchard <laughs> of all things. <laughs> Chekhov's cherry orchard, which starts with this that thwack of the axe chopping down the trees out in the orchard, right? And I just thought, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to s- open this adventure with a sound cue, you know, something that will be repeated uh, uh, and repeated and repeated. So this horn sounds out across the ice and calls uh, for adventure. And unfortunately, also has been keeping a town awake for like a week and no one has slept. Uh, and so the adventurers get called uh, towards the horn and into this town and the town essentially hires them to go investigate this old temple and find out what all the, uh, what all the horn blowing is about. And very soon they discover that uh, clouds of gas have been expelled from this strange temple and they have to contend with uh, all manner of strangeness as they get in there. I tried to go for for a, a sort of like 80s horror movie level of gross. Like, I don't know if you know the movies like Scanners or Videodrome or that kind of like, that. I was just trying to sort of evoke a kind of gore uh, in, the, in that adventure in the Sanctuary of Belches. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun too. Also, uh, in the Sanctuary Belches, there are ice goblins uh, riding Yeti with, with limited success. Uh, with, <laughs> with limited success. The but best kind uh, of success when goblins are involved. I feel like absolutely. that's the best I love, do. oh man, goblins, I love goblins so much. And when I saw the Frogisher, pre- excuse my pronou- pronunciation, I'm thinking I'm right there, but they're in the Tome of the Beasts anyway. The Frogisher are these sort of ice goblins. And when I saw them, I thought, boom, that's, they are definitely, they're going to saddle up a uh, Yeti and it's going to go badly for them. Uh, and, they're, and the players are going to have to deal with the, the madness that ensues of that. <laughs> so the Sanctuary of Belches is coming and I'm really excited about that too. It uses many of the monsters from the Tome of Beasts. We've got, oh man, Flab Giants. Have you, did you look at the preview? Did you look at the Flab Giants? Have you seen those? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, I guess I have my copies of it somewhere, right? Right, of course. Yeah. But, so their special move is, is to, like, sit on you. (laughs) That's their whole, that's like their action. They can sit on you. Anyway, uh, there's some Flab Giants in there. There's some Northern Fae, uh, and then a, a pretty fantastic, uh, concluding encounter uh, that may or may not include a rhyme worm. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm looking forward to players getting their hands on that. I'm looking forward to I'm, honestly, I'm looking forward to running some of those encounters in my current campaign. I don't think my players have uh, have read my manuscript yet on that. So, ooh, that is a mistake. That is a mistake, <laughs> and they should get on that. <laughs> Going back to what you were saying about writing for Kobold Press, I guess, I don't know, you know, I, I really, I think that it's really important uh, to be kind to your fellow gamers in, uh, in real life. You have, to, you have to learn to respect what's, what's fun for the people around your gaming table. I think that Kobold Press, you know, I think their material supports fun, but I think that in the industry, I think Kobold Press they're kind, you know. I and I think that's a bit mushy, but I think you know Wolfgang is kind. Um, he has a good heart, and uh, and I want to write material for them, uh, partly because of that, you know, because 
yeah, because of that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's great. And you do at the end of the day, you know, especially in an industry like this where the pay is not amazing, um, <laughs> you know, you, you want to work with good people. You want it to be a rewarding experience uh, that you're giving up your time for. And uh, there is nobody out there who dislikes Cobalt Press. Uh, and there's a reason for that. It's because they are great to work with. It's because Wolfgang surrounds himself with great people and everything. So it is great to hear from somebody on the inside that what it looks like on the outside is is exactly what's going on yeah absolutely i mean i don't i don't want to overstate it i mean it's not like wolfgang you know held my hand or something through the (laughs) early stages but he was there to provide some careful guidance at the right time and i just think that's that's a generosity and a kindness that is important and maybe a you know a little rare you know Mm mm-hmm yeah, 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 I think you're right. So uh, let's. Uh, is there anything else you have to plug that we should hit before we go? No, I think that's probably it. That's all the stuff I can talk about. I mean, I've got um, I've got some stuff happening on my website, and I've got some stuff in the works for the DMs Guild, and I've got another project kind of going. But I think I'll just I'll just back off that stuff for now. Um, <laughs> save it. Save it for another day. Well, John, if people want to get info about that later, obviously we will have you back on the show. I think you're a prime candidate to come be part of the Roundtable podcast sometime. Yeah, I'd love to, man. I'd yeah, love to. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, but if people in the meantime want to follow you, uh, where should they go and what should they do? Well, they can hit my website. It's uh, it's dragonintherye.com. So like Catcher in the Rye, only there's dragons. And uh, so dragonintherye.com. And um, I, I, my website is, uh, I'm just sort of launching it the last week or so. Uh, it's part blog. Um, I've got free 5th edition content on there. So I've got some new scenarios up and some custom monsters that you can download as PDF. Uh, and then you can follow me uh, on Twitter, John Sawatsky one at Twitter, but you can find that on my website too. Excellent. That is awesome. Well, I cannot wait to, uh, to go ahead and check those out myself. So that is all going to be linked up over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com. John, thank you so much for joining me on Gamer to Gamer today. James, it was a real pleasure, man. I really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you, Sarah. I look forward to talking to you, too. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, people. You can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. And check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate The Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Remember, life is a game. Eventually, you've got to roll a 20.